The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. I am still battling back from a bit of a cold, so if I sound a little bit nasally today, you kind of understand why. No need to adjust uh, your stereo. That's kind of dating myself a little bit there. But uh, but anyway, so working back from that, and uh, there was some concern. I had some people reach out and said, hey, Steve, what about the deal in Birmingham on Thursday night? I absolutely will be in Birmingham on Thursday night. And for those of you that aren't aware of the details, that's going to be at uh, District Brews. It's going to be a social and uh, book signing before we watch the ladies play Auburn. So I will not be in Humphrey Coliseum on Thursday. We'll be in Birmingham with the Mississippi State Alumni Association. Again, at 6 p.m., District Brews there in Birmingham. Come out, say hello. We'll have a good time together. We've got some other dates coming up soon. I know I'm going to be in Houston, Mississippi very soon. Uh, we've been contacted about doing some events in Atlanta, in the Panhandle of Florida. So we'll get those things together. We'll come to you, and if you can't come to us, we will uh, send you a book. You can order at StarkVillainsTheBook.com. I was notified earlier today that one of the heroes in Chapter 2, Frank Carolla, turned 94 over the weekend. And One of the, my goals is to make sure that Frank Carolla is uh, properly credited for his accomplishments in the rivalry between State and Ole Miss back in 1946. Frank Carolla and his best friend, Skeeter Edwards, flew a J-3 Cub airplane from Leland, Mississippi to Ole Miss and did a little redecorating on the campus over there before the 1946 Egg Bowl, a game that we won. So, and we didn't win a whole lot back in those days. As a matter of fact, we won in 1946, didn't win again until 1964, went 0-16-3 during that stretch. I can only begin to imagine what my friend Frank Carolla and Skeeter Edwards must have lived through for 19 years, going winless against Ole Miss for 19 years. They are better men than me. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Great people, great food, great prices, great service. You'll love it. Go by, check it out. Now two locations to serve you right here on University in Starkville and on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, we're the home of the great restaurant-quality hamburger. And listen, if you just want to go in there and say, you know what, Steve, I just want a good straight rock-and-roll burger. I just want to go in there and just get an all-American hamburger. You can do that. That's the Bulldog. But if you want to get something a little more on the wild side, you can do that too. I know Brian Haydad favors the smokehouse. I like the pimentology. I also like the mission. But I do get the pico de gallo on the side so I can kind of control the distribution. You go find your own favorites. And if you don't want a hamburger, you can have several other things. You can have the sweet heat chicken sandwich. You can have the angry bird sandwich. You can have an adult beverage. You can have all of it if you want. Also get those uh, hand-spun uh, milkshakes to go for your dessert. So many great things to choose from there at Bullard Burger Company. Again, great people, great food, great prices. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville and now Tupelo where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. Go in there and tell them what I sent you. So I have a bit of a confession to make. Mississippi State wins the basketball game against Florida last night. I did not expect us to win the game. And I said as much on the show Monday. I really thought, number one, and, and not so much that I felt like Florida was a lot better than Mississippi State because I don't think that they are. And I think we proved that last night. But we have been so inconsistent on the road. About halfway through that ball game, I said, well, here we go again. Here we go again. But the Bulldogs would quit. State gets an early lead at 4-2. to 4-2. Two. to two. And then from there, Florida pretty much took control. With six minutes to go in the first half, Nolak drills a three-pointer. 
to put Florida up 36 to 20. And Florida was on fire from the three-point line early. And, and listen, they were getting some easy looks because we, you know, we were not getting out to defend. And that's one of the things about this team that will absolutely drive a man or a woman crazy. We are very inconsistent on the defensive end of the floor sometimes. And we are, you know, Ben Howland is a defensive-minded coach. And so you see that and you begin to think, okay, I know this is not in our game plan, but we are not closing out on shooters. They're getting wide-open looks. They're knocking them down. It's 36-20 at this point. I think a lot of Mississippi State fans were looking for something else to watch on television. Biggest Loser came on again last night. Maybe that was up. Eggmaster was on. This is us. A lot of quality programming out there available to you. But something changed. So State goes on a little bit of a run there, and uh, we get it to within eight, I guess right at two minutes. They bomb another three, and you're thinking, okay, here we go again. We get it back down to eight, and then they make a basket just before the uh, intermission, and it's a 10-point game, 45-35. I'm looking at those numbers, and I'm thinking, can we just keep it close in the second half? I mean, that, that to me, that's how it felt. And so – I, I, it's difficult for me to admit that I ever give up on one of our teams, but I was not optimistic heading into the game. And then after seeing how easily Florida was getting open out on the perimeter and how lackluster we appeared to be defensively, I thought, you know what, th- th- there's got to be some other uh, options for us. So they immediately come in, take it back out to 12. And then, and then from there, things changed a lot. The Florida lead stayed within single digits uh, from, from much of the second half, and then State really began to close. 12-27 to go in the half, State is within two. And that was after a huge fast break dunk by Robert Woodard, who was rapidly becoming one of the top players in the Southeastern Conference. When Robert is feeling it, things go well for Mississippi State. He gets the big dunk, comes back, drills a jumper. It's a tie ball game, and you just got a sense that Florida fans were kind of shocked and sitting on their hands. I can only imagine what Scott Strickland was feeling. Florida goes back up. It's a close ball game for a while, but then all of a sudden, State takes a lead at 59-58 with just under nine minutes to go on a three-pointer from Tyson Carter. And it's interesting, I had a couple people on social media reach out and say, man, it's just not Tyson Carter's night. A little bit premature (laughs) in those statements because Tyson makes that big three, gives State the lead. And it seemed like he really found some energy from there. Tyson Carter comes back, knocks down another jumper. It's a three-point lead for State. Tyson Carter again with a jumper. It's a five-point lead for State. So you've got a seven-point mini run by Tyson Carter there in the closing minutes of a ball game. When you look down this thing, Florida never led the rest of the game. Tyson Carter hits the big three, and State manages to close out the game. And that's really been an issue for this team throughout the year, is offensive execution late in games. One of the the criticisms that I will offer is when we're trying to close these games out, we can't let the opposition continue to score without the clock running. We can't foul them and put them at the line. And we did a lot of that down the stretch and uh, still found a way, found a way to, uh, to execute on the offensive end. It was big. I mean, it's just, it's an incredible, incredible win for Mississippi State. It is a quadrant one win, as they say, which is the top tier to help your NCAA uh, resume. But, uh, yeah, we, we had some, some issues. You know, Nick Weatherspoon missed a couple layups, but uh, when the game mattered, the Bulldogs made the play that needed made the plays we needed to get it all together. We absolutely did, and and that has what's been missing from this team is having the ability to finish people off. You know, we we we, don't, we go on the road at LSU, we have the lead there, we choke it away, and and LSU is a good team. They're not an elite team, they're not a great team. They're the front runners in the SEC, and that that goes to show you how weak the league is. A lot of discussion about us getting a half a dozen teams in. Mississippi State makes a statement last night to show that they belong to be within that group. 
So what's next for the Bulldogs? I've been telling you guys for a couple weeks, this middle stretch is going to define the season. That We needed to win three of these five conference games. Well, the first of those games is already a W, and that's the Florida game. And I expected to lose that game. We have Tennessee coming in on Saturday. Now you begin to look at this this five-game stretch, and you're thinking, okay, we've, we've done one of the more difficult things, and that's get an SEC road win against a winning team. We go into Florida, a team that was pretty similarly situated as us, a team that's fighting for NCAA tournament positioning to try to get off the bubble and into the field, and we beat them. It's a big win. Now you got Tennessee coming in here. You got a chance to win four of these five. I, you know, I, you know, I don't expect them to beat Kentucky. I'll just go ahead and say it. I, that's not to be negative. I, I mean, I'm just a realist. I understand it's five against eight when you go up there. I do expect that we'll go in there and compete. But next we've got the Fighting Phil Falmers coming to Humphrey Coliseum at one o'clock on Saturday. Tennessee, far from the team they were a year ago. We got to find a way to win. You've heard, heard me guys say it. We got to get fat while the home cook is being served, and that's what's got to happen this weekend. We have got to find a way to beat this Kentucky, this Tennessee team, who is twelve and eight, and four and three in the conference, and really had some struggles as of late. They lose to Kansas. No shame in that over the weekend in the Big Twelve Challenge at Lawrence, seventy four sixty eight, and then they go right back to Thompson Bowen Arena and get beat by an A and M team. It's very mediocre. 63-58. Tennessee about to get, have a two-game uh, road trip going to see Mississippi State on Saturday and Alabama on Tuesday. You know, they're, not, they're on the wrong side of the bubble. So what we have to do is show some maturity here, protect the home floor. We can't get too elevated emotionally because of the fact we won the big ball game last night. We've got to continue to kind of move forward one game at a time. And that sounds cliche, but that's the reality of it. Now, all of a sudden, you take down Tennessee. You've won five SEC games in a row after starting with an 0-3 mark in the league. You're right there in striking distance. We're not going to win the SEC, barring something totally unforeseen. But we should be able to play our way in to the tournament. I, I still think that we're I think we're a marginal tournament team, and we have got to this, this stretch right here. We have got to take care of business because the second half of the schedule sets up really well for Mississippi State. We're going to win most of those games. You got a chance to get over 500 now because I think many of us, again, expected to have that loss last night. So now you're four and three in the league and about to hit the halfway mark. I think now you look at it and you say you, you, you realistically have a chance to get 10 wins. Realistically. You got four now. You take down Tennessee, that's five. I don't expect to beat Kentucky. You take down Vanderbilt, that's six. Ole Miss is seven, and even though Ole Miss played pretty well last night at times, it's tough to go win at Bud Walton, so let's not count that one. We get South Carolina here. They'll take us to eight. We go to A&M. That's that's a winnable game. Kind of a toss-up, I guess. You get Alabama here. That should be a win. You got to go to Missouri. There, you know, anytime it's tough to go on the road and win. That's a very winnable road game. We'll see what happens in South Carolina. You get Ole Miss here. And so while we began the league schedule 0-3, and I was one of those people that said, you know what, I don't see a path without some upsets down the stretch in order for us to make the tournament. And I still think that our net and our is going to be an issue. But when you begin to think about the fact that you'll have over 20 wins, you have the chance to get over 20 wins and then the chance to have, uh, you know, a 10 and six record in conference probably need to be 11. Let's say you win 11. It's a different deal. Makes you feel a whole lot different about, about the schedule. But I think you got to get to 20 wins. Got to have a winning record in conference to have a chance, but there's not going to be a lot of quality wins the rest of the way. There's not going to be – the, the league is so mediocre this year, there's not going to be a lot of those games out there that are going to help us get a real boost in the net. So we've got to just keep winning. Got to win the games we're expected to win, without a doubt. And you won one last night you weren't expected to win. And, and if, you know, let me, let me get a little bit of – be a little bit of a homer here. 
when I look at the schedule, I think Kentucky is probably the only game that I look at and say, yeah, they're going to lose that game. Because I can think, okay, you, you, we went we went and won at Oxford last year. We can win there. We've won at Bud Walton Arena. And I, and I like this Arkansas team, but you know what? We are not a good matchup for them because they simply don't have length. They came in here and played pretty well down the stretch against in that ball game last week. But our length gave them a lot of trouble. South Carolina, I don't really know what to expect from them, but uh, they always seem to play Kentucky tough in Columbia. They haven't played exceptionally well in Starkville the last few years. But this has been, you know, this has been a pretty even series as of late. These games are usually very competitive between State and South Carolina. So we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, I, I think we could win. I'm not calling for the sweep, but I don't think that you look at those games and say, you know what, South Carolina is just better than Mississippi State. I, I, they may be equal. I don't know that they're better. A&M, of course, gets the big win at Tennessee. Going down there, and again, playing on the road is always difficult. It's a winnable game. Not to say that I expect it, but it is a winnable game. You get Alabama coming in here. You go to Missouri, who's still one of the worst teams in the conference. They come from behind to beat Georgia last night. Then you go to South Carolina. And so we'll probably split with South Carolina. Then you get Ole Miss here in the regular season finale. That's senior day. Probably a good chance for us to win the ballgame. But again, you look at the schedule and you think to yourself, and, I, and maybe I'm a little, being a little bit too optimistic here, but I, I don't look at the schedule and see anybody that's head and shoulders better than this team. I think Kentucky would get an advantage because that game is at home. If we're playing Kentucky in Starkville, I might give us a chance. I'd love to be wrong about that. I would absolutely love to see us go up there and win at Lexington. Tennessee comes in this weekend. Uh, that's a must win. It's a must win because if you're a true tournament team, You'll get off the roller coaster. You know what I'm saying? It's like you, you go up, you go down. It's like we, it's all this, you know, emotional swings that you have throughout the course of the season. We got to make sure that we're handling our business and winning the games that we're supposed to. This is absolutely one of them. And that that South Carolina team is 11 and 8 and 3 and 3 in the conference. Tough at home, for sure. Tough at home. All right, so uh, I told you guys, too, about the uh, the new sponsor, Hawthorne, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. Uh, I'm loving the products, and, uh, and I would not have taken them on as a sponsor if I did not believe they were a reputable company that would deliver you guys great product. Because anybody that I deal with, I feel like is an extension of us, and so there have been some advertisers that I've turned down, but I've been very, very happy with them. So you, you go to their website. It's hawthorne.co, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co, and take the quiz. You know, I don't know that anybody's ever sat me down and said, hey, listen, here's how you need to buy cologne, and here's the body wash that works best for you, and here's the, the shampoo and conditioner that you should get, because it's usually it's just like you see an ad on television, you go buy it. There's no book or guide out there, really, that says, hey, this is what works best for you and your chemistry and your style of hair or whatever. You can get to cut through all of that nonsense by taking that quiz. And they'll, they'll lead you in the right direction. I was a little bit skeptical, to be honest with you. I was like, you know, it's whatever. But I absolutely love the product. I absolutely love the product. And I'll tell you, I, I fully suspect even after Hawthorne.co has moved on from the boneyard that I will probably stick with them. I'm going to encourage you, give them an opportunity to serve you. And ladies, Valentine's Day is coming up. You want your man to smell nice? Take take the uh, you know take the bull by the horns. Do it yourself. Maybe you lead him through that quiz, and then you order. You can set up you know, replenishing shipments, or you can just get a one-time shipment and get kind of order it as you need product. But again, go to Hawthorne.co, and by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. It's Boneyard. Simple enough. B O N E Y A R D, and get ten percent off your first order. Go do it today. It's worth it. I'm absolutely on board. So let's look at the, the women's side of things. So we'll have a recruiting update before we get out of here. I know you guys are interested in all that. So women's hoops back in action against Auburn on Thursday in Humphrey, in the Humphrey Coliseum. I, I like our team. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that every time that, I, you know, 
we always think, okay, well, Vic's going to be a rebuilding year. You know, we went and played South Carolina in a national championship game. But, but you know, we really just had, you know, we, we got lucky. We got lucky. That's what some of our fans said. And, and to be, I don't want to get on a soapbox for too long, but I wish that self-loathing part of the fan base, I, I wish we could just kind of kill that part of it off, that whole mentality of what that we always have to explain away our successes. I can't stand it. It drives me absolutely insane. But that was, there was the thing is that, well, that was kind of a fluke. Yeah, we beat UConn, but uh, that, that, you know, that was just, you know, this was a team on a mission. There's no way they'll be able to go back and do it next year. We better enjoy it while it lasts. And then we go out and we should have won the national championship the next year. We should have. It's one of those things I look back in life, and I, it's, it's almost like the Dick Pace pass interference game in the Egg Bowl. You know what I'm talking about? You remember that? We're going to be talking about Morgan William getting mugged at half court in that Notre Dame game forever. She got mugged. She did. We should have won an Apple championship. But we didn't. And then the next year, everybody says, okay, what's well, going to be a big rebuilding year for Mississippi State? You know, there's no way they can sustain this. But we go out and get Andrea Howard to come in as a grad transfer, and then we make it to the regional final. One win away from being back in the Final Four for a third consecutive year. You know, we lose to Oregon, uh, who eventually played, uh, you know, Baylor, who eventually went on to win an Apple championship. You know, and I think Baylor was probably the most complete team last year. But we lose a ball game in uh, Oregon's backyard, 88-84. And so now all of a sudden we get to this year, and I think a lot of us are kind of thinking – well, okay, okay, okay. It was a great run, and now it's time to kind of recalibrate because we're going to be really young this year, and we're not going to have Tierra McCowan because we've never gone, you know, to the Elite Eight without Tierra McCowan, and this is true. We had gone to the Sweet 16 before, but we'd never gone to a regional final, much less one regional final, without Tierra McCowan being a member of our basketball team, and she's a generational player. But now here we are, and it's crazy. Here we are, right in the mix of everything again, a top 10 team again, 18-3, and 6-1 and one in the conference, just went toe-to-toe -to -toe with the number one team in the country and should have won the ballgame. We've won, uh, what, three games in eight days, or played three games in eight days. We lose to South Carolina. We take down Vanderbilt. And in a game, it was a bit of a tussle, but we had that fourth quarter run last Thursday night to prove that we are a championship caliber team. And Vanderbilt's a little bit better. And once we made some changes defensively, we, we made them realize that we're a lot better. We go out and drill Ole Miss again. And I don't know if you guys, I, I, I don't know if you've heard this, but um, Ole Miss is not good at sports. And uh, I know that there have been, there has been some aggressive marketing over the years to lead you to, uh, to another line of thinking. But Ole Miss not good at sports, and uh, we beat Ole Miss eighty to thirty nine. I don't know if you were aware too last night on the men's side that Ole Miss blew. I think it was what a seventeen point lead to Auburn at home in the Pavilion. I mean, not even a Mississippi State Bulldog can save Ole Miss from their own culture. I mean, Kermit Davis, my goodness, Kermit. I mean, Kermit's over there having to you know do the best he can. They're ten and ten, but one and seven in the conference. I guess is that right? I think that's right. What if we had a machine to give us that information? Let's take a look here. Look at the look at the standings. Uh, I know Ole Miss is near the bottom. Ole Miss is one and six. Vanderbilt, the only winless team in the SEC. Ole Miss one and six, ten and ten. Georgia one and six, eleven and nine. There's one team in the league that has a losing record overall, and that's Vanderbilt. Ole Miss five hundred. But uh, it's, Dave Murray dug this up that uh, we have not lost to Ole Miss in a major sport in over a year. The last time we lost to Ole Miss in a major sport was uh, Mississippi State loses to Ole Miss in men's basketball at home last year. So we hadn't lost to them in a year. In a year. I remember when that was a big deal. I'm old enough to remember when, when everybody made such a big deal about Ole Miss beating us in every sport in a year. 
I think it's expected, and I think I think it was a bigger deal because we're the better program. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, what a shock that Ole Miss actually beat Mississippi State in something. But here we are. Uh, so the women's side of things is still shaping up. You know, you begin to look at this, and you begin to realize that, uh, you know, the way this schedule lays out, we've got a couple of tough road games coming up. You know, we got to go to Tennessee. we got to go to Kentucky. But let's say you split those two games and let's say you win the rest. You begin to think about that SEC tournament. And, hey, if, I, if I'm South Carolina, I don't want to see Mississippi State on a neutral floor. I don't want to see Mississippi State a second time knowing that I got every call down the stretch and barely won the game. I would want to see State again. And listen to you know, this time last year, I don't know that I wanted to see them again and we had to go to Columbia and we beat them at their place. I just feel like the Mississippi State is improving at a very rapid rate. And so when you begin to think about the rest of this schedule and then you think about the SC tournament and then you begin to think about the NCAA tournament bracket, you know, State has a chance to host again. It's not out of the realm of possibility. They'll start releasing some brackets, and, and uh, you know, Charlie Crane, those guys do a great job. But we've got a chance to play our way into a hosting site again. I know that's kind of become tradition here, but that's how we're going to see it. You know, And I, I think this is a team that's very, very capable of advancing uh, to a Sweet 16. And, then, and, then, and how the matchups go from there, I think, kind of determines it. I think we have the talent to advance to a Sweet 16. And then if we get the matchups, because that's what it's about later. It's about, you know, who you match up with personnel-wise. And then we'll see. But this team is clearly ahead of schedule. Clearly ahead of schedule. I don't know if we have an All-American on this team. You know, we've we've had a a very strong run. But I don't know if we have an All-American on this team this year. I think Jessica Carter could be next year. And perhaps Jordan Danbury, if she gets hot late, could play her win into an All-American list somewhere. But this is a this is not going to be a highly heralded team, but I still believe it can be a very a, a highly successful team. When you begin to think about, you know, player of the year candidates and that sort of stuff, you know, it's still pretty wide open in the league. It's still it's still pretty wide open. And I think a lot of people kind of realize, too, that the uh, South Carolina might not be quite what people think they were. You know, I think the gap between state and South Carolina is not what many people expected it to be this year. I'm not ruling out Tennessee beating South Carolina at some point either. Maybe I'm crazy. South Carolina always seems to drop a game they shouldn't. They always seem to drop one, whether it be Missouri or Tennessee or you know, there's always Kentucky. There's always somebody out there that gets them. Maybe they get caught looking ahead a little bit. Got a lot of respect for that South Carolina team and Don Staley. They really, really do. That They make it very difficult on us, but I enjoy the rivalry. But I'd love for them to be able to drop a game and give us a chance to climb back in this thing. Running down the uh, – there's not gotten – there's not going to be a lot of action this week. You look at and say, okay, there's a chance here for some, some big shakeup within the league. You know, most of the schedule this week, I think, I don't foresee any upsets, I guess you'd say. You know, I think we've pretty much established the pecking order in the SEC women's side. I think on the men's side, it's much different. When you look at the men's side of things, the, the standings are, are pretty close. you got a log jam in there. You know, at four and three, we're just kind of running down that for you real quick here on the men's side. LSU still six and zero. Oh. They're not a great team. They're not. I, I'm not a big Skylar Mays fan like some of you guys are. I don't. I, I think he's a, a good secondary player. I don't think he's a. I don't think he's a star. Uh, Kentucky five and one. Auburn five and two after that big come from behind one yesterday. Auburn eighteen and two overall, best overall record in the league. And then Alabama four and two, and then right there you've got State, Florida, Tennessee, A and M, all right there at four and three, and then you've got Arkansas, South Carolina at three and three, and so, you know, we talk about well we're you know we're 
probably going to be no worse than fourth when it all shakes out. This week, there's still so much basketball to be played. State will certainly be in the top half of the league, or certainly should be. One of the things that I think is interesting is uh, Reggie Perry, beginning of the year, people were saying he is an SEC player of the year candidate. You know, we hear all that, and you wonder how much of that's hot. You know, it's like, eh, really? And the answer to the question is yes. Reggie Perry is the only player in the SEC averaging a double-double. The only player. He's the only player in the SEC that's averaging double-digit rebounds in a game. Reggie Perry, in this SEC schedule, especially over the course of the last four or five games, Reggie Perry has stepped his game up to be the guy. He is becoming the player we've expected him to be, and then you've got Robert Woodard out there being a very good complimentary player, and then Tyson Carter has found new life off the Mississippi State bench. This is a very frustrating team at times. It's it's never really a tidy undertaking. I guess when we played Missouri, that's really the only time you looked at it and say, wow, we went out there and really played to our full potential and kind of beat somebody down. But any time that you're able to go down to Gainesville and come back with a win in any sport, that's a big deal. A lot of resources out there in Florida. A lot of Bulldogs out there in Florida, too. But all that being said, Reggie Perry, 16.9 points per game, 10 rebounds. Currently fourth in the SEC in scoring. Anthony Edwards, Georgia's phenomenal freshman, 18.9 points per game. Got a little banged up last night. Mason Jones, 18 and 4.4. Brian Tyree, 18.4. Then there's Reggie Perry. Going to have a chance to play both of those teams. But it has been my experience that Reggie Perry has played his best when the lines, the lights have shined the brightest. And that's the mark of a star player. What does he do when the game is on the line against a quality opponent? And that's what we saw last night. We saw Reggie Perry really kind of come in and do some big things when Mississippi State needed him to do some big things. I don't know that he is fully appreciated. You know, it's that the thing that you know, he'll have a game where he has nine or ten points, and then, you know, because people are isolating on him and we don't win the ball game, people say, oh, he's got to produce. And then all of a sudden you look up the next game and he's got 25. Last night he was bombing threes. You know, those are the things, and you know, when you begin to look how how his game has evolved, he's been a lot more consistent, you know, from three. And kind of looking at those numbers from last night, too, it's another thing I think, you know, on how does he play on the road? Those are the things you always look at. How how do they play on the road? We have not been a great road team. And we went into a place last night that's in the O'Connell Center that's been historically very bad for us. Reggie Perry goes 37 minutes, does not get into foul trouble, had two personal fouls, one of which I thought was a ticky-tack call. 37 minutes, 9 of 14 from the floor, perfect from the three-point line, 3 of 3, 6 of 7 from the free throw line, and as Paul Jones noted on Twitter, uh, over this little four-game winning streak, Reggie has been just about money. I think about 88%. I might be one or two percentage points off. But one or two, 88%, it's a free throw shooter. It's, it's phenomenal. Eight rebounds last night, 27 points. I believe that's a career high. Robert Wooder pitches in 16, Nick Weatherspoon 13, Tyson Carter 12. And I, honestly, I didn't think Nick played exceptionally well. I mean, he was real active, and he was a great defender, but, you know, Nick left some points on the floor. Had a couple of big misses and layups. And so you begin to make your bunnies, and you begin to feel even great about, even better about your prospects. Not to mention, go look at what Nick Weatherspoon has done, assist-to-turnover ratio in the past couple of weeks. Last night's numbers, eight assists and just the one turnover. This is a guy that's beginning to kind of mature before our eyes. And, and again, let me go ahead and say again for the record, I expected us to lose the game last night. But we didn't. We had every chance to fold up shop and to say, you know what, this is how it's going to be. We're just not going to be able to win. We'll get back at the hump and we'll beat Tennessee. But we didn't. And uh, one of the things that uh, Ben Howen said recently is, you know, the great teams play for each other. That's one of the things that I see with this group is they appear to really enjoy playing together and for each other. That serves you well. DJ Stewart becoming 
uh, one of those freakish type athletes. Just just the four points last night, but man, it seemed like he was everywhere. A huge offensive rebound late, and that's that's kind of the mark of a good team. Team is offensive rebounding. I think I heard the word twelfth in the country in offensive rebounding. You know, when you've got Reggie Perrin, you've got Robert Woodard, and you've got guards like Nick Weatherspoon and, and DJ Stewart that'll get in there and, and contribute. It's difficult. I mean, you expect Abdul Wadu to have a ton of rebounds, and he had nine last night. You expect him to alter shots. He did, and he had three blocks last night. He, he had one that uh, he basically tomahawk chopped down to the floor with such violence that I think that the uh, Florida player's mother probably felt it. I mean, it was, it, it was an emphatic block at a very emotional point of the game when State was making a run. I think this team has proven to have a little more mental toughness than perhaps I anticipated. And maybe I'm not alone in that respect, but I'll own it either way. They are proving to be better down the stretch. The Oklahoma game, we very easily could have. We got down a double digit in that ball game. We could have decided, you know, this is it. Okay, it's just not our day. We came back and should have won the ball game. We should have won the game. We should have beat LSU. And so when you begin to, to look at all this uh, over the grand scheme of things, and you begin to think about, okay, there have been several games that we have played, that we have been in, and we couldn't close out. Yes, there is the Louisiana Tech loss, which is awful. Yes, there is the New Mexico State loss, which is awful. And you look at these other games, like dropping the ball game, you know, to LSU. You're right there with Villanova, one of the top teams in the country. And so when we play up to our potential, rather than playing down to our competition, we are a really good basketball team. And there are times that I think we get caught watching the game rather than coaching the game. I mean, I, I think that happens uh, you know, pretty regularly. But I think it's also one of those games, too, we have so much talent on this team that we can win even when we don't play well. And we wanted to sit here and talk, you know, you know, coaching a lot of times wins and loses close ball games. And I thought we managed the game pretty well down the stretch. I think it's pretty obvious. We did a good job with every bit of that. And so now we get excited about what is to come. I want to remind you guys, our friends at Campus Bookmart, always happy, happy to serve you. Stan, Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, the whole crew at Campus Bookmart will treat you like family because you are family. It's as simple as that. Many of you bought your textbooks from Campus Bookmart. You used their free parking lot behind the facility there. That's free for everybody. All you commuter students, you go by there and you can park there for free. You don't mind walking a little bit. You don't have to worry about buying that parking pass. All of that said, if you're looking for the latest in Mississippi State memorabilia, merchandising, clothing, you can find it all right there at Campus Bookmart. And if they don't have it, Kathy Brown can get it for you. Go by, check out their fine selections, and peruse their catalogs of all the different items they can get for you. But if you can't make it, go by campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Bonyard listener, we'll give you a phrase to page. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that promo code will get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any offer less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. And mom, again, let me speak on behalf of your husband and your children. Everybody wants new Mississippi State clothing. They do. And they probably told you that. So they have reached out to me to allow me to kind of uh, speak on their behalf. They want new Mississippi State clothing. There's nothing better than walking around repping your brand. If you go to Disney World or whatever, you're running out of Bulldog fans, you have a chance to kind of recreate and, uh, you know, kind of bind over the Bulldogs. So go ahead, make that order today. Again, it's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. So let's get into some recruiting stuff here. A lot of people freaking out that uh, K.J. Costello visited Washington. I'm, I'm told that that was a visit that, that he had already made Mississippi State aware of, that it was not a, some surprise visit, that he visited Mississippi State, and all of a sudden, oh, wow, let's go to Washington. Uh, they've been on him for a little while. And when he entered the portal, it's one of those things because he was a little bit later doing it. It was dead period. And so he's trying to get some visits taken before the dead period begins again. I don't know if he is a February uh, signee or not, you know, because he's not, he's going to graduate in April. You know, he might elect to wait and take more official visits. So this process might continue for a little while longer. He's not going to be a spring enrollment guy. So there's no rush in that respect. What I continue to hear is that he is very impressed with the genius that is Mike Leach and the offensive system and how quarterback-friendly that it is. And so we'll see how things progress. 
I'm also hearing that he is considering some other official visits. So if this thing lingers into the weekend and you find out that he's taking a trip somewhere else, don't panic. I mean, I'm already beginning to see some of these message board posts where people, people are already ready to pass an indictment saying, oh my gosh, we can't recruit. Well, wait a second. K.J. Costello wasn't even considering Mississippi State. We weren't even on his radar until Mike Leach was hired as our coach. And that's the thing that Mike Leach gives you is he opens doors for quarterback recruiting that haven't been opened. Every quarterback wants to throw the football a ton. Every quarterback wants to put up big numbers. That's just the reality of the position. And so you have a quarterback-friendly offense like this one. You're going to attract big-time quarterbacks. And so we're in the game with K.J. Costello because Mike Leach is our head football coach. So let the process play out a little bit. And you know what? If we don't get him, maybe we'll get somebody else. Maybe we don't. I've got a lot of confidence in Garrett Schrader, and I do think that there is some skill refinement that's got to take place, and he's not going to be able to do much this spring. But Garrett is capable of running this offense. And I think, you know, best case scenario is that we're able to redshirt Garrett this year and then have him take over next year after having a full year to heal and to learn the nuances of the scheme. But it's amazing how quick, you know, people were panicking because we were having to start Tommy Stevens in the uh, Music City Bowl rather than Garrett Schrader. And now all of a sudden we act like Garrett Schrader is just, you know, just, just another guy. And he's not. Garrett Schrader is capable of running this offense. So settle down. If we can find a guy that makes us a better football team this year and gives us some time for our younger quarterbacks to develop, that's the right that's the right play. But if it's not Costello, it could be somebody else. But just hang in here, let this thing play out. There's a lot of there's a lot of discussion about all that stuff. It's not really rooted in fact. I know that he'll wrap up his official visit to Washington today. Mike Leach expected to be in the home tomorrow. So we'll see. Let's just let the pirate work and see where the chips fall. Uh, Dylan Spencer from Madison Central. Some things here that I've learned in recent days. You know, um, Dylan Spencer is related to Chris Spencer, former Ole Miss Rebel and Madison Central star that played in the NFL for several years. He was the first-round draft pick out of Ole Miss by the, by the Seahawks. Had a great career. Uh, finished up in 04 at Ole Miss. The same year as Marcus Johnson. Marcus Johnson's now at Missouri. They were line mates together at Ole Miss. They played with Mike Espy. Dylan Spencer trains at some times at D1 Sports with Mike Espy. There's a lot of relationships there. And so as a result of that, you know, I recently put in my crystal ball pick for Missouri. One thing that I was told last week is that, hey, Mississippi State was really going to push for a commitment with Dylan Spencer and uh, see if they could just go ahead and get him in the boat. That was kind of the talk around Madison that, that State really wanted to get it done and really didn't want him to take that visit to Missouri. Well, he didn't commit and he is planning to visit Missouri this weekend. I don't expect him to be a part of the Mississippi State class today. Now, things could change. You know, he might get up there and say, you know what, this isn't the place for me. I'm just going to stay closer to home and go to Mississippi State. You know what, that'd be great. I think he is a very raw player, but we're a little tackle poor, and you take a guy like him and you build him up. But you're not going to need him to play this year anyway, but you've got to have some guys in that developmental pipeline. But as, as it stands right now, Missouri has the momentum heading into their official visit weekend. Khalil Benson from South Haven is expected to visit Mississippi State this weekend. Former Ole Miss commitment, Khalil Benson, the coaching change up there, he kind of became a casualty of the coaching change. I have always liked his upside. I, I think he is a very blue-collar guy that uh, could, can play guard or right tackle for you. I don't know that he has – you know, perhaps the, the athleticism to play left tackle. But I think he could play right tackle for you. He was a guy that early on I expected him to commit to Mississippi State. It was kind of a back-and-forth deal. He had some people in his ear. He committed to Ole Miss. Didn't work out. He'll visit Mississippi State this weekend. And, I again, with Scott Lashley in the boat, I am not expecting two more offensive linemen. I'm expecting in the either-or situation with Spencer or Benson. And so with Spencer heading to Missouri and Benson heading here, I think if you you could see Khalil Benson go ahead and commit this weekend and sign next week. Uh, that's kind of how I see that play now. Brady Ward was the guy out of uh, St. Paul's Catholic that uh, was rumored to be coming in last weekend for an official visit. That visit didn't happen, nor is it expected to happen this week. 
based on the information that I have, I believe Mississippi State is going in a different direction there. So we'll kind of see how that progresses. But there haven't been a lot of offensive linemen names mentioned late. Ward was one. He didn't visit. Spencer visited. Didn't cancel to visit in Mizzou. And now Benson comes in this weekend. And so uh, I, I just, unless some other things fall out, I think it's one more O-lineman. I think you take Lashley, which puts you to 83, but puts you to 82 scholarships. And then you've got one to work with because you've got an 83 limit for this year. And you expect some attrition. But I don't expect to be see heavy over signing next week. Probably see three or four guys sign next week with Scott Lashley being one of those. And then we'll see how things kind of progress from there. I still expect there to be some traffic post spring. There'll be some other guys that'll enter the transfer portal post spring. You know, maybe they're not happy with a new offensive system or whatever. Or there's a coaching change or whatever. Or they're just wanting to get out and go win a bowl game. There will be some players available post spring. So don't look for six or seven guys next week. I think you'll just see a handful of guys, probably three, maybe four, and then we'll see how it goes. Another name to kind of keep up with is Jamari Stewart. He will be here this weekend, official visitor out of uh, Port St. Port St. Lucie, Florida. It's St. Lucie West Centennial, and if that high school sounds familiar, that's that's where Jamar Chaney coached. And so uh, Jamari Stewart expected to be here. We have talked all of the uh, – you know, the post-December signing period at State would probably look to take another outside linebacker, uh, an offensive lineman, an older safety, still still kind of working through those things, and then an outside, and so this outside backer prospect is coming in, think that this is probably something that will happen uh, for Mississippi State. So that will be one of those guys, I think, going to be one of those names, one of those few names for December, pardon me, February, and then we'll look ahead and see what's available late. But don't – listen – there are new rules, too, about all of this oversigning. And uh, Mississippi State cannot afford to get cute. I don't, know if it, I don't know if you guys remember this. Mississippi State's currently on probation. And so we can't start getting loose and fast with oversigning rules. And so it's going to be done by the letter of the law. And so we will uh, we'll get that done. But listen, there are going to be some guys moving on. Everybody knows that. Everybody expects that. And so as a result, there will be some signings that we'll add later. But, again, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, if you're going to go out and get a wide receiver, you need to get a guy that impacts the team this year. you, you got to go get guys that will help you win this year. Also reminding you guys, too, that uh, college baseball season is about to begin. I know many of you have been marking that down on your calendar for some time now. Bulldogs will be in action February 15th. I can't wait. I mean, I, I know that uh, there are a lot of people that say, well, you know, Steve, I get so invested in this other stuff. I don't really get into college baseball until after college basketball is over. And you know what? Two weeks they're on. I enjoy it all, but I do enjoy baseball a little bit more than most of the rest of it. I mean, I, I love going out to Dirty Noble Field. It's one of those things, too. I guess it's one of those things, the remembrances of childhood and good memories with my dad and that sort of stuff. But it's one of those things where I think this is where, because baseball is so much more communal, you know, we get we, we do it differently than most. We go out to the lounge and we shake hands and maybe you visit with somebody at their at their spot for a while, and then you know, two innings later, you go somewhere else and you hang with those people, and then all of a sudden you realize, you know what, well, maybe I need to go back over there because when I was standing there, uh, we, we had a big inning. You know, but you hang out, and, you know, and, and we, we go visit with one another, and so it's just a different deal. And so I look forward to that, and I always ask myself, you know, why, why would I ever deny myself the, the pleasure of going to the Duty Noble Field? I ride by there sometimes, and and I make that, that turn, and I look, and I think, nobody has what we have. And I can only begin to think about the days of Diamond Dogs gone by when we were so proud of what we had, but now nobody nationally has what we have. And sometimes I have to pinch myself. You know, when those renderings for that stadium came out, I began to think, you know, this is, this is great, but it's just pictures on a paper. Now it's not. Now it's our reality. And everybody that comes through here, is incredibly impressed. I remember last year after LSU came there, two years ago when LSU came in here, or last year, whatever year it was, LSU came in here last year, and all the talk on their message boards, their Facebook groups, everything was about Mississippi State has surpassed us in the stadium. And I've always thought that Alex Box was kind of like an erector set anyway. But we have the respect around this league as being committed to baseball like nobody else. And so 
anytime that we get a chance to go out there and celebrate Mississippi State baseball, it's a great thing. So that's February 15th. Uh, you need to come out and be a part of that. And uh, we will begin to preview the SEC baseball season once we get through National Signing Day. Let me get through that week after signing day, and then we'll start breaking it down. I, I don't know that anybody, and I, and I say this with pride, I don't know that anybody, there's not an SEC writer out there that saw more SEC baseball teams last year than me. And so I will do my best to, uh, to share what I have learned and what I have seen and what I expect. But I expect your Bulldogs to be really, really good. And I think we have a very, very good chance to get back to Omaha for the third, you know, three times in a row for the first time in school history. We've never gone to Omaha three years in a row. We've never done it. We've only, matter of fact, we've only been to Omaha in back-to-back years, I think, twice. Maybe three times, but yeah, twice. But, what, but we're going to have a chance to go this year. This is not a rebuilding year. That's the thing. Every time we'd get to Omaha, it always seemed like we'd have that, that next year. We'd kind of take a little bit of a step back. We're not taking a step back this year. We're not backing down. We've got an offense as good as anybody in the country. We've got weekend pitching with JT Ginn and Christian McLeod. We think Eric Sarantola is going to be on par with, any, with anything anybody else has. Got to find some things on the, on the bullpen. Got to figure out the roles there. But we'll get that figured out, and that's one of the reasons you got a guy like Scott Foxhall. I don't think any of us have to worry about pitching. I think Scott Foxhall has already got that handled for us. Let's just go enjoy the Diamond Dogs. That's going to do it for today. Look forward to seeing you guys again. And always, you can go order the book at StarkVillainsTheBook.com. Going to be sitting down with, uh, you know, with Jake Mangum uh, here pretty soon and talking some baseball for the next book and uh, some other good stories I'm excited about. But uh, you can find your gear at StarkVillains.com. We'll get your T-shirts and hoodies there. Always nice to see that out and about. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.